The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Connor Clark and numbers to get in at 489-1240 and across the state at 800-825-5865. We'll let you check us out on the stream. Can watch the show via the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and also uh, follow along with the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Usual suspects today. Excited to talk with Mike Babcock. Of Hale Varsity, Babber's going to join us in about 15 minutes, get his take on not only the uh, the documentary he was a part of with Ed E.T. and uh, Nebraska celebrating 100 years of Memorial Stadium, but we are uber close to uh, kickoff and some Camp Confidential from Mike Babcock in hour two. We'll spend time with Evan Bland, some NFL thoughts with what Trey Palmer's been doing with Tampa. We'll get there and a jock doc to round it out. You can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com and give us a follow on Twitter, if you can, at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and uh, for Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Got that right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, season it, it, just, pro. it just rolls off the tongue. So we'll get into some of Bill Conley's latest adjustments, his final thoughts before the college football season. Where does Nebraska come in? And we'll, we'll dive into that, that ranking, right? The hierarchy of importance, right? So, fellas, I, I've got a i I'm, I'm playing a little dinged. This sounds really wussy, but just walk with me here for a moment. Uh, I, I sub, subtracted some some downtime for for a haircut today. And Elijah can verify this. I, I have uh, one spot I typically go to, there's a contingency and then there's panic. and and I have not been patient enough in my lifetime with, as many bad haircuts as I've gotten. I don't think the the haircut I have today is awful. It, it works. It'll grow out because the the wife looked at me and kind of gave that side, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the facial expression of they went kind of short, didn't they? Well, my back is all, my, the back of my neck is all screwed up. It's like red. It's like they took a a knife and outlined to block the back. And I don't know what that's from if I didn't get the, uh, the the buzzers sprayed before I went on. I mean, I had Elijah look at it, and he was kind of cringing himself. Connor's moved, frankly, away from me in the studio here. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to do a little silence of the lambs and put some lotion on the skin or it gets the hose again here. It, it's just burning. It's still, though, better than that haircut you got last a year, year ago football before season. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was You kind of look like it wasn't a Cabbage Patch that. Kid. It was, it was a it? troll doll. Yeah, you look like a troll doll. You look like a troll doll. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in like a 
Well, it's no, hard to it, say not in a bad way. Yeah. It wasn't in a great it, it, it way. Looked, it looked awful, and we needed to absolutely hose that thing down with hairspray for the <laughs> photo shoot last year, and I was pissed. No, absolutely. So, like a little bit of redness, like it could it could be a lot worse. Like they got the line, like your your part looks solid. Mm-hmm. It's gonna grow in nice too, because everyone knows, like with a haircut. The first test is the first day, but it's much more important. How does it look in about five right. days? Yeah. Because that, that's where you want your haircut to look ideal. Five days on. So we'll see how it looks in five I'm days. I vo- think that I'm, redness will probably go away. You'll, you'll be all right. I'm the most vain man in Nebraska. Just laying it out there. <laughs> okay. That's, that's what it is. Crew asks uh, an important question, uh, and I don't want to get yelled at by this place that doesn't advertise with us, but, but Crew asks a good question. Am I going to a frequency place where they get you in and out or are you going to a barber and i used to go to a barber i just haven't been to a barber in a while it's it's another chain joint not that one that crew mentioned uh that is is fairly popular i go to and they do a pretty good job the gal did a and it looks all right, sort of kind, as you both cringe, but I, it, it it's fine. It's just my neck's on fire. I've tried to send you over to my guy for years. Well, I need to now. do that. I need to I need to get your dude's number and go that route. See, it's not the because like every time I go, now you probably do need three four days in advance to make sure you get a spot in there. And you always go, well, I'm going to get my hair cut tonight because I know where you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you go in there and you come in the next day and you always go. Uh, I'm not sure uh, I like this haircut too much. I think I go, you, could, you should have gone to my guy. And, I, and my guy, I've been going to him since I was in like sixth grade. Mm-hmm. He's always hooked it up. He moved locations in Lincoln, and I followed him. I'm again not going to mention his name on the air because he doesn't go he, or he doesn't sponsor us. Yet. But I do know he does occasionally listen to our show. So if you're out there listening, you know what's who your, you what's are. Your, what's your dude's name? Andy. All right, Andy. Let's talk. Let's have a cocktail. <laughs> He'll hook it up right. I'm telling oh, you that okay. much. And he's got some of the flyest kicks in Lincoln Barber shop Ooh. in the game. Like, okay. Done. He's, he's rocking the sneakers in there, Done. too. Because my, my neck is on fire during the commercial break before Babbers. I'm going to go throw water on this thing or figure out some sort of... Uh, I'm going to go knock on doors here with salespeople. Does anybody have any lotion? Because <laughs> I'm on fire. Guys, let's uh, get into uh, Nebraska and the, the S&P... From Bill Conley, we respect Bill Conley's work. He does a lot of simulations, and Nebraska comes in at number fifty-nine, five-nine. Nebraska right now, per Bill Conley, right around that six-win number. But more likely, if he was probably to spin the wheel and pick, he is going to say a five-and-seven season. Let's just. Try and eat that on our plate first. Five and seven does what for you? Again, being at the, the, the haircut place today, that's what was being discussed. Of course. It was, well, how are they going to be this year? Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, we'll talk about it here after Minnesota. Specifically, what are they looking like going into Michigan? That's, that's a, a fair timetable to judge this football team you talk to enough coaches they say by week three or four you're going to be what you're going to be you can always get better but there are strengths and then there are limitations you're uh, trying to hang on to or overcome but the the consensus at this haircut joint i won't call it a barber shop was well i just hope they look better and by that they want Nebraska to look like a football team that's prepared, 
uh, well-disciplined, tough. They can run the football. They can stop the run. It is, you know it when you see it, if you feel good about your football team. Not, it's not always perfect, but there's been so many palm-to-the-forehead moments the last seven, eight years where you're like, no, that's what drives you nuts. One thing to get beat, it's another thing to help the other team out. And, 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 and to me, that, that's, that's, that is your measurement. You can feel good. You'll feel better if you're bowling at 6-6 six and six or better. If you just miss a bowl game, you're going to be ticked a little bit about that, I would think, as a Nebraska fan. But do you look like a competent football team? And, and I, I like that analogy, Schmitty, because we're going to talk about the, the damage that was done to you at the barber shop. And that's kind of the question <laughs> to me right now as we go through. As Babber puts his hat on. <laughs> we'll see Mike in the green room. Well, the, the haircut looks great. And, like, the f- football team may come out looking more like a Big Ten football team come August 31st. They're but is tougher. our neck sore? Is your, <laughs> is your neck a little sore? What's the damage going to be to get that haircut looking nice, to get that team toughened up? I mean, we're already talking multiple starters that could be down on the offensive side of the ball because of, of how rough and tumble this fall camp is. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is worse than the alternative of having a soft football team where everyone's healthy and ready to go. There, there needs to be a little bit of middle ground there. Um but what is that damage going to be? How, how down is Nebraska going to be come August 31st because they've been beating each other up? And that's, again, not a, a bad thing to do. It's, it's what you need to do in the Big Ten. It's what a lot of other Big Ten teams deal with. It's kind of the taxes with. you got to pay. Speaking of, and, of, uh, of taxes, Kyle emails in, a great tax man. Uh, it says for me to call it Ginger. No, no, here, here's what you need to do. We, I got a call in from Paul. Okay. He says, if there's no lotion sitting around conveniently. He says, <laughs> go to the bathroom. I thought this was a football show. It is. He, says, look, he says, look at the hand soap, because he says a lot of hand soaps, most places, they're going to dry your hands out real bad, especially in a place like Nebraska. He says most businesses will go and get the hand soap with aloe in it. Ah, yes. So you can get lather that up, mm. throw a little on your neck, and e- then wash either, it off. Either and that or it'll, it'll it's, it's full-blown full. Full you know, Mardi Gras rash <laughs> in the back of my neck. Oh, like they didn't clean the clippers after cutting that's, off some dreadlocks? That, that's, yes, kind of what <laughs> it, it feels like. But, uh, Sitz, thank you for the, the ginger suggestion. I will make that happen. So Nebraska comes in, and the way uh, Conley lays out the – the number, right, is how are you compared to middle of the road in college football? There's teams that are better. There are teams that are worse. Your top four is your top four. And Georgia is going to beat the average football team by four-plus touchdowns. So is Michigan. So is Alabama. So is Ohio State. There's your four. And after those four... It's still a thrashing, but it's not cover 30 and the overs. Okay, so Nebraska coming in at 59. They're a little bit above average when we talk about 133 Division I college football teams. Nebraska would beat middle-of-the-road college football team because they're in that tier by about four points. You can subtract or add likely for home and away, home field advantage, road dog, that type of thing. And it really comes down to Nebraska and just the importance of tight ball games, right? We, we've obsessed about this for years. It's not gone Nebraska's way since the Pelini era in tight games most of the time. 
and and that is what Nebraska is. Defensively, Nebraska is a, a top forty team per Bill Conley. Uh, offensively, Nebraska is not. Are they in the seventies? Is that right? Uh, offensively, right around there, about 25, 26 points a ball game is what the projection is. Twenty five point five points per game, good for sixty eight yeah. in the country. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're not quite seventy, but that's that's not your average football uh, point total. We we get into this, and let's just look at the schedule. And it, it's going to be essential for Nebraska to to get some some coin flip games. A couple of those come home. And from a ranking standpoint for, for Bill Conley, uh, you look at where teams come in. And it, it, the schedule's not – it looks easier than past years, but from this SP-plus ranking, Wisconsin's the 19th best team in the country. Minnesota's in at number 27. Iowa's at 22. Uh, you have Illinois and Maryland in the 40s. Sparty right there at 46. You have Purdue right in front of Nebraska at 58, Northwestern's at 85, Michigan's three, and uh, yeah, you have Louisiana Tech, Colorado, and Northern Illinois that are garbage. Okay, they're they're not good. They're Colorado's not quite to to number 90, but they're they I, could they could be after the TCU game. I, I can't believe Northwestern is in front of Colorado. If I'm being honest with you, they are. They're up. They're up three spots. Yeah. So you can do your your math, your averages, your division there. But when we when we rank these games on the schedule, can Nebraska be three and two in September? Can Nebraska go two and two in October? And can Nebraska find their way to a 500 mark in November? If we're gonna hover around. That six-win total, if you're flirting with five, if you're flirting with seven, that is your range between five and seven. Anything above seven and, and, and rule is, is going to be hugged and kissed everywhere he goes, especially with a, a year one. And similar to what Bo did going nine and four after a tough start against some good teams. So there's so many question marks and so much newness, not necessarily with the roster per se. I mean, Anthony Grant's a six-year running back in, in, in college football. Uh, your offensive lines had a lot of work together, but you got a new quarterback. We're questioning what's going on at wide receiver. Not that it can't be okay, but it's going to be a difficult task. You know, what do you get out of the Minnesota game, guys? Two weeks from today, we fly up. Uh, we're there at the graduate Thursday and uh, Friday and, and Wednesday afternoon, assuming I, you know, get off my plane at a decent time. So we're there uh, loaded up for, for game one of the rule era. But what do you get out of this Minnesota game? And, and what is all right? I think it's a tough task and a tough ask, and it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, do, you, do you play well enough to win? Do you get a surprise, a bonus, and, and pull one off? in Minneapolis on a Thursday night. And what's important to me about that game is can Nebraska show early in the season that they're going to be able to hang with the teams that play like Big Ten teams? Physically. That's the question to me. It's not as important as a win. Whenever I look at what game, objectively speaking, is probably the most important of the year, I kind of look at that Colorado game as being more important than the Minnesota game. I know Minnesota's a conference foe, but at the same time, Nebraska's expectations this year aren't to go win the Big Ten West. It's to go make a bowl game. If you're in that conversation, awesome. That's a big plus. But if Nebraska doesn't go and win the Big Ten West, I don't think any Husker fan's going to sit back and be disappointed. No, but you, you, can't be, you, you can't be right there with Northwestern 
or dare you say below. Our dear friend Grant Wistrom uh, had so much fun talking to him yesterday. He says, it's the worst haircut ever. Lloyd Christmas would be proud. <laughs> Thank you, Grant, for, for that. I should just go uh, and do what you and Jason did. Just shave it. Just shave it all. We're going to have to get Mike's take on what he thinks the most important game of the year is here in just a second. It's Mike Babcock's waiting by in the green room because I think you can make arguments for about four different games on this. There's schedule. a lot yeah. of swing, and we'll get to it. Can join us at 489-1240. We'll get to some of your calls, some emails. It's not quite the Lloyd Christmas, Grant. Uh, Babbers is coming up. Mr. Husker Football at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers on the way with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for all the input on the hair care. Keep the comments coming in the stream. Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter's where you find him. And hopefully you watched him Sunday night with the Memorial Stadium documentary celebrating 100 years. Babbers, great stuff and perspective there. And you laid out the the blue that Nebraska had to wear game one against Oklahoma because uh, Boomer Sooner said, well, we're just bringing the home jerseys. And uh, lo and behold, you have the new uh, throwbacks, or I should say the alternates against Northwestern this year with a little blue around the numbers. Yeah, I got the blue around the numbers. Uh, I hear Chris's voice. But I'm looking at the picture there, and it looks that haircut doesn't look like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you are just gonna you're gonna go uh, you're gonna go Royal Rumble on me here and and jump off the top rope with a steel chair, Babbers, aren't you? No, no, it, it, it looks good, Chris. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Wife and the kid and the kid's girlfriend, like, oh, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> For all we know, the uh, the barber who cut your hair may have just been. Uh, listening oh, to dude, the show she yet. was hungover. She was absolutely hungover at 11 o'clock. Well, <laughs> maybe she's just a very, very big fan of Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Uh, you, and you didn't mean, like the end of the show yesterday. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, that was a bad take. We just had to call her in. Kendall calls in and says, yeah, does Schmitty not know his differences between movies? I, I, I was sitting I here yesterday confused Absolutely do. Too. I know. And I was, I was, you know, we were going over the film. And, <laughs> and that, was, that was brutal. We got uh, the laser pointer on Schmitty. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. And Ace Ventura. Uh, Wistrom hates my hair. That's okay. I'll take that as a compliment. Mike, uh, let's get into to Nebraska here. And we were talking about Bill Conley's SP Plus and where Nebraska comes out about, you know, three, three and a half, four points better than your, your run-of-the-mill college football team. And do you foresee uh, par for the course here in the Big Ten, just a, a number of of, of close games this year for Nebraska? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, you know, I think um, ratings like Conley's are, are more difficult for teams with new coaches. Sure. You know, with some, when somebody's coming in and you're changing the system and everything. So, you know, it, it makes sense to me that Nebraska would be about a little bit better than midway through that, through that group of, uh, uh, schools that you're evaluating uh, programs as you're evaluating there. But uh, um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult to say what's going to happen. And that's why I keep saying that the, to me, the most significant game, I sound like a coach here, but it's the (laughs) Minnesota game. You know, I, I, and I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily that Nebraska has to win that game, but Nebraska has to look 
has to be very competitive in that game and be in a position where it can win the game. And, uh, you know, from what I've, from what I've seen uh, and heard from Matt Rule and his coaches and the, and the players that have been made available, um, you know, I think that he's created the kind of cohesion that he's looking for. And uh, I think Nebraska can be a, a, a team to be dealt with I'm not sure that uh, I, I think you're right when you're when you're talking six and six or seven and five. Um, to me, that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. But again, it's difficult to say with a new coach and a new system and everything. Um, so let's see what happens in that first game. I really think that could be a pivotal game. And and when you talk about wins and losses, I think it's a pivotal game in, in that. Mike, where does that the first game of the year rank whenever you compare it to, to past seasons? Because you think back to 2021, that Illinois game on the road, supposed to be in Ireland. We all thought that's going to be really important. This is a team that you should beat. And if you don't beat them, it's going to be a long season for you. And I think the same can be said about last year with Northwestern. These are teams, based on paper, you should be able to beat. And to get your season started in the right way, you have to get it done. Where does Nebraska's opener against Minnesota rank whenever you compare them to the past couple of years in terms of importance? I think it's like those games. Uh, Elijah, I think that Nebraska go into it. And now look at the ratings, look at Connolly's ratings and, and Minnesota has the advantage, obviously, because Minnesota is higher, higher there, but, uh, and it's at Minnesota, you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, that's a factor as well, but I think it's significant in the same sense that those games were, um, that Nebraska plays well and, has an opportunity, maybe Nebraska comes away with a win there. If Nebraska can win that first game, and then, you know, it, I, I really – I sound like a coach, I guess, but game by game, um, Colorado, you get that one. You, you know, it looks like you should get that one. You can build some momentum there. Those first four games, you can build some momentum going into the Michigan game, not saying they're going to beat Michigan, but build some momentum – be competitive against Michigan, and then you've got a critical game at Illinois. Mm-hmm. That could be a that could be a tilt one way or the other. But if you build up that momentum, might the might be on your side the tilt. Mike Babcock is with us on Hill Varsity Radio, and we're talking about important games. And I want to talk about an important stretch that you just kind of highlighted there, and that is. Colorado, NIU, and La Tech. And obviously Colorado rivalry game that you're expected to win right now. But then you run into two non-power teams at home who, yes, they're not power teams, but A, you've struggled with power teams in the years past, and B, these are two pretty decent group of five teams that you're going to face at home. So I would argue that that's probably one of the more important, if not the most important stretch of the year. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, Connor, the, the one thing that I look at is, uh, you know, Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech are both coming off three and nine seasons. So they're, they're, gonna, they're trying to regroup. They're trying to get things going as well. I think that plays, obviously, to Nebraska's advantage, the fact that they're at Memorial Stadium, Nebraska's advantage. I'm probably, you know, when I talk game by game, I'm probably looking past those two games. I'm probably marking those down in the win column. And as you said, in the past, we've seen these things fall apart with these kinds of teams. I don't think that rules approach will allow Nebraska to be in a position 
to lose those games. I think that they ha- they're going to have the mindset that they're going to get those games. They're going to take them one at a time, but they're going to get those games. Um, I, I'm com- I have some confidence in that. But your, your question about stretch, very important, that stretch, Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, got to win those games. You have to in order to have any kind of hope to get to six and six uh, to get to a bowl game. Mike Babcock's with us here from Hale Varsity and at MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him. Mike, I, I was going through a lot of the West teams and what what is the, the stretch like? What's the, the toughest stretch in said schedule? And there's a couple games in a row that are tough for, for Minnesota. There's a spurt there for Iowa, the way the schedule is stacked. Wisconsin has a, a brutal stretch uh, d- despite 18 starters back where they, uh, they're they going to have a Michigan and an Ohio State, I believe, and then I think there's an Iowa snuck in there. So I look at Nebraska's stacking of the schedule. You're on the road for your first two, but theoretically it worst your your one and one. Uh, you look at that stretch, Michigan and Illinois, that's really tough back-to-back on a short week. And then you get to November where, man, you've got two heavyweights in Wisconsin and Iowa at that point in the year. You're coming down towards the end of November where who's able to stand because most teams are so beat up. But leading into that, you're at Michigan State. There's talent there. And then Maryland is a lot of a wild card to me. They may be the most wild card team on Nebraska's schedule. Now, we won't know what the 11th of November looks like if it's going to be 60 and no wind in Lincoln <laughs> and Maryland's like, please and yes. Or is it going to be uh, windy, cold, and they better find a run game because that isn't Maryland's bag. So, you know, is there a, a wild card team that you see on Nebraska's schedule or that coin flip game out of this group of 12 here? Well, I'm I'm like you, Chris. I you know, I think Maryland, that, that's a little bit of a wild card game there. I, and I think at Michigan State is a little bit of a wild card game because I think that Nebraska, um, those are two games that could go either way. Nebraska could win those games. Um, and, and, again, if you build up some momentum early and some confidence early, it's going to carry over down the stretch with a team that has an emphasis on being able to run the, run the ball. You know that they talk about being able to run it. If you can, if you can run the football, you've got some confidence going into that stretch. You've got a shot at either or, or maybe both. Mm-hmm. Maryland and Lincoln—that's a good one. You know, that's a good situation because it's in Lincoln. If the weather's bad and Nebraska's run game is effective, that speaks well for Nebraska. But that's a—you know—that's a. I think those those are the two games probably that that I look at and then say, here's a, can Nebraska get it done here with the momentum that it builds early in the season? Hopefully again, one, one game at a time, but uh, 1% those are games that I think 1% you know, better Babbers 1% yep. better. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mike yeah, Babcock well, with this I, year. Continue Mike. I'm a 2% right now. So <laughs> <laughs> 
It's Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, just to, to finish off this topic of conversation before we get you out of here, what are the games on Nebraska's schedule that it's worst case scenario should Nebraska drop this game? And I think the obvious answers are Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. But when you look at this schedule as a whole, where do the alarm bells go off for you if Nebraska, like they've done in recent years, drops some of those perplexing games? Which games in the schedule rank atop that list? Well, um, yeah, the two that you mentioned, obviously. Um, well, what if Nebraska goes out to Boulder and doesn't win that game at Colorado? Well, that would be a you that could would be a be crusher. 0-2, yes. Could yeah, be 0-2. That, that would be a crusher right there. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. But, again, you got to go one game at a time. we got to see what this, what this new system is going to be like. And are the things that we've seen – Coach Rue will talk about are the player can they really be applied? Does it really reflect where this team is? Because um, you know this, uh, uh, sir, the documentary that the the university's doing. I think they've had two parts of it now, um, kind of looking inside. Really looks like the players are buying in, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they've got this grit. And he talks about you know you're gonna. Even if you're not full speed, I want 100% of what you are uh, kind of thing. If they buy into that, um, you feel good about it. So first down, is that what we're 10 there? Um, Hang on, yeah. Mike. We'll let you finish your I'm thought. Rambling. No, you're good. Hang on. Mike Babcock continues with us here on Hale Varsity. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A little overtime with Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers uh, in his football office. And Mike, you were touching and wrapping up on uh, just kind of the, the stack of the schedule. And we, were, we hit a lot on wild cards. Uh, before we get you out, and thanks for hanging an extra couple of minutes, how about just the significance of getting that, that first win for a coach when they start in Lincoln, you were there for Tom, you saw Bob do it. And then uh, things got a little funky early in the Callahan era with the loss to Southern Miss that really jolted some folks, the Hail Mary against BYU for coach Riley. And then things were all sorts of messy for Frosty with uh, the uh, mother nature inserting herself and then the buffs the following week. So, you want to get off on the right foot, sp- specifically with your home opener, and, and that hasn't gone the right way for the last two coaches. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it, it it will go the right way for Coach Rule. I'm pretty convinced of that. And, you know, again, that Minnesota game is so important. And, it, it, you know, another game like the Minnesota game then becomes the game, the Illinois game the game after Michigan, mm-hmm. how does the team respond there? Um, those are probably the two that I look at going into it um, because I'm, and again, it's easy for me because I'm not the coach and I'm not players and I, I'm not responsible, but I can make assumptions. Um, so I'm giving Nebraska those three wins in there, Colorado, Northern Illinois, and Louisiana Tech. And I'm not giving them Michigan so it's I'm big of you. Minnesota, how does that go? <laughs> and how does it go with Illinois? I like it. Mike, we'll get caught up again uh, closer to kickoff. Thanks for the time today, bud. 
Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. There he is, Mike Babcock with his head, MD Babs. Always love talking with him. And uh, he got in there with a little bit of the elbow on the uh, the haircut. You know, I, I like what Brennan chimes in. Brennan from the Black Hills, dear friend of the show. And Elijah, you touched on it with those early season week zeros that Nebraska was faced with. Ireland a year ago, Illinois for the Pig Farmers debut with Coach Bielema. And this, I don't disagree with Brennan because this does have pretty high profile. It's two guys that cut their teeth in the MAC before moving to the AAC with, with, with Temple. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fleck and rule. They're both really good motivators, really good developers. And it's another road adventure for Nebraska in, in Big Ten play to start the year. And this one's a Thursday, first time since the Nebraska took on Okie State uh, on the road in that 95 season. And, and what I'll say about the Minnesota game, kind of getting back to Mike's point, is I think importance if Nebraska wins that game is huge, bigger yeah. than the importance of Northwestern or Illinois. The momentum it can give you in year one as a head coach. But on the flip side, I think if you lose that game, you're not losing all that much. It's, it's a mm-hmm. it's a low-risk, high-reward type do, game for Nebraska. How do you go out? Yeah, how, how do you look in a loss would be a big discussion here. But if Nebraska starts the year 0-1, you have three winnable games coming up to build some momentum before the real test Michigan comes to town uh, at the end of September. I don't see the Minnesota game as as important as Illinois or as important as Northwestern simply for that fact of whenever Nebraska lost to Illinois and whenever Nebraska lost to Northwestern the past two years, you could feel Husker Nation. It was soul sucking. Husker Nation deflated because you had that moment where you thought, oh, it's, it's not different this year. A whole offseason of talking about how the things had changed last offseason. New offensive coordinator, new schemes. It's going to be a different-looking offense. New quarterback in town. And then you go lose to Northwestern in the same old ways you lost before, and it was deflating because you knew it's not getting better. That being said, if Nebraska loses to Minnesota, I don't think the air gets sucked out of Husker Nation. You sit back and you say, man, mm-hmm. that was tough, but that was a hard first game. Anyway, that's, it was always going to be hard for that rule. The real test is next week against Colorado against another first-year head coach that's building up from a, a bigger basement than where Nebraska has been over the past couple of seasons. I, I don't think Minnesota – I don't want to sit here and call it un, unimportant because the, the, the ramifications if you win that game are huge. But the pressure is off you if you're in Nebraska to go win that football game because you have three great chances to go win a football game after that Minnesota game. And if you lose, so what? On to the next one. And, and nobody's job is on the line, right? I mean, that was kind of a big part of it, I think. It's self-pressure right? versus yeah, be, outside. Because noise. in the Frost era, too, when you look at Illinois and Northwestern, it was you know the same. I felt like it was, it was deja vu. We had the same conversation two years in a row. If you, yeah. lose, if you lose that game, it feels like the season's over, right? And now that you know you don't have a coach that's pretty much competing for his job anymore, and it's year one, and I, I agree. I think that obviously there's pressure still. I mean, you want to go into Minnesota. You want to win the game, right? I mean, that's what you're there to do is to try and win the game. But if you look good and you end up losing against Minnesota, it's not like, uh-oh, here we go again, unless you lose in a very similar fashion that you have in the years before. But obviously it's hard to tell that right now. So if you do lose to Minnesota, as Elijah highlighted, you still have three great chances to win three ball games in a row. And that brings you up to you know the Michigan game, which is 
has the potential to kind of be the peak game of the year in in your regular season schedule. Obviously, Iowa at the at the end of the year because that's always a good rivalry. But you welcome in a, a national championship contender, and you have three, if you're lucky, four games of momentum at your back. That's what's going to be important. So it's not so much of what Nebraska does say against Minnesota. It's more so of how they respond if they lose to Minnesota leading up into that big game. And, Connie, you said something huge there that I want to bring back because it, it got my wheels a turning. You, you said as long as Nebraska doesn't lose in the same way they've lost the past couple years. Imagine, yes. imagine, if you will, for a second, Nebraska up by six points in the fourth quarter. They fumble the ball at the 50-yard line. Michigan goes in to score and win the football game. <laughs> Yikes. And then, you stop and then, and then talking you, right now. You get the You're ball back, and then it's a false start on first down to back it up, and it's... It, Husker Nation will be more inflamed than Schmitty's neck. No, uh, I did go find some uh, some soap. So we, we got did the, that help a little bit. We got the burn uh, put out. Uh, you know, my, seriously, my wife like looked at the back of my neck and my head, and she's like, "Do you have the herp?" <laughs> like, well, not from you. I've uh, never heard it shortened like that. The herp. The herp. The herp. <laughs> she has all sorts of slang terms as a nurse. The herp. The herp. Do you have the herp? No, dear. <laughs> I, put that I, on a I, shirt. I, I don't. <laughs> uh, Moonbot Seven chimes in. Anything outside a win against Minnesota will be a hard. It'll be hard to tell if we're improved unless it's a twenty-point loss, of course. Uh, but then we might uh, be in trouble. Listen, we started this conversation with the most important as the theme. And I'm still doubling down that you guys have made great points. Cruz, the herp's not fun. (laughs) It itches. Uh, I think Minnesota, because of the opportunity, is still number one for me. I still think it's it's as important as there is because of presumably where both teams are at, developmental programs, technically on paper, you're supposed to be better talent-wise. Mm-hmm. It's always been an execution, and in some past years, a toughness thing against Minnesota. Uh, is, is that now equal? Uh, the Illinois game that Babbers and you guys have touched on that one's is, gonna be huge. is a yeah. monster response game on a short week. Yeah. And then, listen, you need to be able to take down Purdue and Maryland at home. Easier said than done. And Iowa could be uh, getting you to postseason with a win. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Evan Bland, 10 minutes away from the Omaha World Herald. Good story from him on Anthony Grant. We'll continue talking SP Plus says Nebraska comes in right under six wins with Bill Conley. Some coin flip games, some games Nebraska's decidedly underdog. Nebraska comes in ranked as the 59th team in the country. A little bit better on defense, a top 40 unit. That's the projection uh, just shy of 70 offensively and You've got some unknowns to try and project with quarterback play and offensive line, a new coordinator, a new system. Hey, the offense could be much better. And the offense could be dependent again on on big plays like they were a year ago. ago. A guy that was responsible for much of that, Trey Palmer. How about the camp Mr. Palmer is having? Elijah, you sent out the... uh, 
the, the footage from Tampa's training camp as they're practicing against the Jets, a, a rookie that was a stud, a high draft pick, and Sauce Gardner for the Jets. Uh, Mr. Sala has got a killer D in a good running back room, so the Jets will be fun with, uh, with A-Rod there. But Palmer able to, uh, to, to beat Sauce for a, a big gator. And right now, when you have a little bit of a combination of injury, but also performance from Palmer's standpoint, he's having a hell of a camp, and he'll be an option for Tampa this year. It's just too bad uh, Tom's retired. Well, here's the thing with, with Trey Palmer. He's been turning heads in, in training camp, fall camp, made that touchdown catch from Baker Mayfield against the Steelers just last mm-hmm. week. Today, Burns, a top-five corner in the NFL in Sauce Gardner. Yes, I'm prepared to call him top-five in the is. NFL. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Burns him deep for a 16-damn-near 70-yard touchdown. You have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both get up in front of the media and say today was the best day he's had as a member of the Vikings. And, oh, conveniently, it's the day when Trey Palmer gets some more playing time because Russell Gage, their wide receiver, he went it's down hurt. today with what's presumed to be a season-ending knee injury, meaning... There is a starting wide receiver position up for grabs in Tampa Bay. That wide receiver three spot. You're obviously going to be behind two great wide receivers, and who knows how good the Tampa Bay quarterback is going to be with either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield being the starter. That's going to be rough for him. So I'm not telling you, if, if you're in a standard <laughs> fantasy football league, maybe slow your roll on drafting Trey Palmer. You're not maybe, going just maybe a late round flyer, a late round flyer, maybe just because of who the quarterback is going to be in Tampa. But if you're in a dynasty league, oh, and, and you get now to keep, you're talking, you get to keep a guy. And Trey Palmer, buy stock now. He's turned heads. Tampa loves what they have in him. He's going to get snaps this year. He's going to get experience this year. The thought was maybe just a special teams guy. Well, because of injuries and because of his own play, he is going to be getting, I'd say, some probably pretty significant playing time for a six-round wide receiver this year for Tampa Bay. He's been awesome. You you mentioned the, the fact that, look, you have Evans and Gardner, pro bowlers, high-level players, and – most defenses are going to pay attention to those two, mm-hmm. but Trey's special with his speed, how he can get out of breaks, how smooth he is, and he can take the top off. That'll be his role of a defense, and you got to respect it and worry about that home run shot from uh, from Baker or, dare I say, Trask. And listen, good for him, and it's just another in the long line of kids that, that Mickey had coached that are really prepared for the moment once they get to the league. And some have been higher draft picks than others. Trey was a fifth-round guy, but good for him. And how many of you, really, honestly, you always have to have a Husker on your fantasy team (laughs) for years. It was tradition. Evan Bland joins us next hour, two coming up at Sale Varsity Radio. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, it's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, OWH, where you find him on Twitter. Evan, good to spend some time. Thanks for a few minutes. 
Yeah, guys, it's uh, feeling a little bit like fall, so it's uh, it's appropriate to talk some football. It's false fall, Evan. It happens in the Midwest every single it's year. The, the weather cools down. You go, okay, okay. It's feeling like it's going to be Have fall. You been outside so today or no? We're getting going to get murdered by 102 degrees on it Sunday. It sucks outside now. I mean, yeah, you know, my, my quarter zips and hoodies are ready to go, but they're not coming out yet. You're right. I haven't fallen for this yet. I know we got triple <laughs> digits, but uh, it, it's just a little bit of a tease. So is it okay to just go six straight days with a quarter zip? Is that all right to have that many options in your closet? Well, do you go the same quarter zip or, or you just kind of rotate uh, like the same thing but different color? No, I mean, I have options uh, of, of the quarter zip, uh, much like the hair the wife made fun of today. She makes fun of the quarter zip. <laughs> and, yeah, I have, I have too many. I've well, got a problem. Yeah. I'm a big quarter zip guy. Like it, it's so versatile. I mean, it can get warm and it can it can help cool you down. Or if it's I'm cold, here for uh, it keeps you going. It's uh, it's the good stuff. And what's dangerous about this conversation is as we get into the high 70s, low 80s. There's a great quarter zip that I love. It's got KFOR on it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that me and Connor always <laughs> find yeah, a way to wear it on the exact oh, same every day. day. No, on Mondays it's quarter zip KFOR Monday. Can, can we all three of us wear <laughs> well, that? This, yeah, once. well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear the the Adidas one. The one you guys That's got fine. in Adidas. Yeah, that's why, right. Why, why does that guy, sound so condescending? Uh, in the, in the <laughs> media pool, we would wear the same one like <laughs> twice twice a month for the press conferences. And like it got to the point where I would text him like, and I'd be like, okay, let's not wear the same thing today. And you just don't know. So like that's the danger. <laughs> well, I guess we're not at risk. It, it we're was the same meant to be Schmitty. condescending. Yeah, Schmitty's got the Adidas one. Okay. It's, it's a name brand, okay? No, it, it's, it's not going to fray after three wears is what I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you. Uh, Evan, let's uh, let's talk a little ball, and I liked your story on on Anthony Grant, and you know he's a guy that's going into to year six, as you outlined. Looked great early, faded late, and part of that was the reality of of what Nebraska's offensive line and running game was in the Big Ten, and they had some tough opponents to to end the year and. and Grant missed the the 1,000 yard mark, but it seems like his focus is as high as it's been. I think there's some trust, but I also think there's been some accountability on his part, but also the coach's part with what they're going to ask him to do. Does does that that word of trust come to your mind with Anthony Grant? I know he spoke yesterday. Does he feel like he's maybe in a different headspace, a better headspace? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you think back to the spring, and he they they suspended him for a short time. Nothing for you know, nothing serious, but just uh, upholding standards and things like that. I know they looked at his film from last year. The coaches did and wanted to emphasize him being more of a north-south runner. Uh, you know, hitting that hole hard as opposed to sort of kind of dancing around it and, and trying to make a move or maybe do a little too much. So I think those are two things. You know, you think back to how his season at Nebraska went last year when he started so hot. He had the big, the big run against Northwestern, big game against North Dakota. Uh, you know, he was uh, triple digits uh, in terms of rushing yards, I think five times in that first half, and it just kind of looked like he wore down late in the season. First time through the Big Ten grind. Uh, obviously, had a lot of carries. I think more than seventy percent of the workload in terms of running back carries. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a place now where he's he's found some stability you know i asked him a little bit about uh nebraska's recovery methods that's been a big thing we've heard from matt rule is is getting guys ready to go keeping them fresh and he said yeah it's a lot more 
detailed than it was last year. And, and I think that's one thing that he points to that would say, you know, maybe this is a reason why he can have, be a consistent performer from August 31st all the way through November. So his is an interesting case to me because, you know, again, it is his sixth year as a college football player, student. Um, you know, he, he set out 2019 and was away from football uh, to, to deal with the death of his mom, but he's come back. He's, he's had multiple junior college stops, uh, you know, started his career at Florida State. So he's been all over the place. And it just feels like he's in a in a environment now at Nebraska where um, he's being invested in. It, it does feel like he's in a good headspace, and you know, quietly is a guy I think who could contend again with the Gabe Irvins and Ramir Johnsons and Emmett Johnsons of the world to be a significant piece of this running back room here this fall. It's Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald Hale Varsity Radio, and Evan. Whenever you look at that running back position, it's been a lot of talk from us and from other people over the past couple weeks that we're expecting it to be running back by committee at least early in the season until a 1A type guy differentiates themselves. But now with what we're hearing about the wide receiver room and some injuries there and some uncertainty within that room, do you think Nebraska needs to find that bell cow back before the end of that game against Minnesota? Does a guy need to differentiate themselves for weeks 2 through 12? Well, I mean, ideally, you, you do find a guy who's the guy and can carry a heavy load and do it well. But I think that's probably unrealistic. And, and we've heard Nebraska coaches say, too, like they, they believe they are going to run the ball uh, to a volume that's going to require more than one guy to carry that load. So, you know, we, I think Anthony Grant's a great example when he he was the guy last year and he had his moments but he you know physically wore down a little bit in the second half and the numbers and his output would bear that out so like yes you want that dominant guy but I think at the same time I mean Matt Rule's gone out of his way multiple times this fall to say how happy he is with that group and how deep it is I think he had the line that they could play winning football with the fifth string guy in that group right now and I think you know that's that's probably a positive sign at this point. Sometimes I think you can kind of tend to view that as well. That means nobody's stepping up or or or, or separating themselves from the pack. But just by the nature of that position, guys are going to get hurt. Uh, you're going to get worn down. So if you can go from you know again Anthony Grant to Gabe Irvin to Ramir Johnson and and Emmett Johnson, who's who's really showed out early, like I, I think that's probably a plus and then you add in what you're you're talking about with the receiver uh, depth or or apparent lack thereof um and and yeah it's going to be a situation where Nebraska is going to want to run uh they they don't want to run Jeff Sims too much i think you see again with the history of of turnovers and injury that can come from that so what you're left with is relying on a veteran offensive line um and a deep running back group and so i think that depth um, you know, while, while there's not been a, a feature guy to emerge, I think could end up being a real positive for Nebraska as the season goes on. Evan Bland is with us on Hill Varsity Radio. When we talk about running back by committee, and I think that's what everybody expects, but when you mix Anthony Grant in there with a bunch of other guys, I mean, how important is it for AG to be more of a leader considering he's that six-year guy? He's been around the block. Now, maybe he hasn't been in the Nebraska program as long as some other running backs, but he still has that college football experience. How important is it for Rule and that staff to lean on Anthony as a leader in the running back room? 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, again, he's been all over the place. He's he's played, uh, you know, football in New Mexico and Florida and Kansas and Nebraska. He's he's 24, which, you know, in college football terms is is pretty old. He didn't want to call himself a grandpa, but he he did say he was the older brother of that group for sure. And you look at the rest of that room too. I mean, Gabe Irvin's a familiar name, but he because of injury and whatnot, he he really hasn't played that much college football. You know, Ramir Johnson had a big season in 21, but he was more or less off the grid last year and, and uh, in, the, in the two years prior at Nebraska. So, like, there are some guys who are familiar names in that room, but nobody does have the experience of, of Anthony Grant. I think both life experience and football experience. And so, yeah, I think that's uh, that can be important, especially just kind of the ups and downs of a season. You know, if, if your lead guy – um, you know, gets stuffed at the line, and and or, or maybe he gets three yards, three yards, three yards, and then pops one. Like that's the kind of um, you know re- resiliency that you're looking for out of a guy um, to maybe just set that tone and 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 help even things out in what can maybe be kind of an up and down position, just in terms of how you do from play to play. Evan, we've got a, a bit till Minnesota in Nebraska two weeks, but it's it's quickly approaching. We were talking in reference to Bill Conley's. SP plus uh, kind of final numbers before the season starts in Nebraska's right there, right around hovering around 60. So that puts him behind you know, most teams in the big 10. Uh, the, the win total spits out to be right around five and a half. So right around that six win mark. Is there a game or two you think is, is the coin flip for, for 2023. Nebraska gets those, they go bowling. Nebraska loses those or that game, a certain game, and it's it's home for the holidays again. Yeah, I think there are a, a handful of those games. I mean, I think Minnesota's one for sure. I mean, I think Minnesota will be favored in that game, but there's there's absolutely a path to winning that one for Nebraska, just by the way the Gophers play, um, you know, keep away on offense, and, and like they're they're not going to blow you out unless you're making a bunch of mistakes on the other side. So I think just the the nature by which Minnesota plays, and you know, Nebraska coming out fresh in the opener, I think that's a team that uh, that you would rather play in August maybe than November, the way that it's been for Nebraska in the past. So I think that's a coin flip. I think, uh, you know, the Illinois game is really interesting as well on a short week. Uh, that'll be really fascinating coming off of the Michigan game. However, you know, taxing that is emotionally or physically to be uh, able to get back up and hit the road on a short week and play at Illinois, which is another really physical team and, and uh, you know, by projections right about where Nebraska is in the West right now. So I think that one's pretty interesting. And then, you know, I, I would put kind of the uh, Maryland and, and Purdue games sort of in the same boat where you're you're talking about home games against teams that, you know, you don't really know what they have. I think Maryland tends to start faster than they've finished through the years, uh, at least recently. So that's one that you feel like you probably should take care of. And then Purdue, you know, who knows exactly what they're going to be like. I know Hudson Card, their quarterback, is impressed in the fall. Um, but you have a new head coach, a lot of new personnel there, too. So I think those are... You know, four games right there that you could absolutely make a case one way or the other that those things go, and, and that could end up defining how Nebraska does this season. It's Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio, as we talk Nebraska's schedule and discussing what some of the more important games of the year are. And Evan, what is the game that you think is 
highest reward with the lowest risk? Because I made an argument for that Minnesota game uh, last hour talking about the fact that, hey, if you lose that game against Minnesota, it's okay. You still have 11 more games ahead of you uh, with a chance to get bowl eligible and three huge games after that. And then I think it's also important to look at that Michigan game as being high reward, low risk in terms of everyone's kind of expecting you to lose that game. If you can win against Michigan, you really put yourself into national prominence. I want to ask you in terms of what games – Husker fans shouldn't be stressing about a loss, but maybe uh, you can be excited about a win. What games do you put down on that list? Yeah, Michigan's the one that comes to mind for me for sure. I mean, you think you look at their schedule; they don't leave their home uh, for the first month of the year. They're playing; they're going to be big favorites in all four of those games. So, very likely, they're going to be a top five, top three, maybe team coming to Lincoln. Uh, and, and Nebraska, who knows? I mean, how these first two games go against Minnesota and Colorado. It's hard to say, given what uh, what we know about those teams. But I think they're non, they're, the rest of their non-conference is about as easy as it's been. I think uh, Northern Illinois and, and Louisiana Tech have had some major issues defensively the last couple of years, and they're coming to Lincoln. So, like, you could see a situation where you've got like a three and one Nebraska playing host to a four and zero Michigan team. Like, that's 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 compelling stuff. That would be really interesting. And, and, and to your point, nobody's expecting. Nebraska to win that game, but maybe you have sort of a 2021 scenario there where they play it close and you're able to uh, you know build some confidence no matter what that result ends up being. But it will certainly be different, I would expect, from what we saw in Ann Arbor between those teams last year. And and then, yeah, I would agree. I think Minnesota is the other one where uh, you know if you can go and, and win that thing on the road to start the Matt Rule era, like look out hype train like it's it's uh it's all aboard at that point like that's that that's the game those are the kind of games that have dogged nebraska in the last handful of years against those physical teams that pound you that control the ball if nebraska uh can clean up some of its own mistakes and beat minnesota at its own game i think that would be uh mighty encouraging for you know what could occur at the rest of the uh, september at least evan if nebraska does lose against minnesota what does that mean in the grander scheme of the season well, we'll see how it happens, right? Like, if it's really ugly and they get blown out, like uh, you're, you're probably going to have to wipe that out and, and start from scratch. But if it's if it's close and and Nebraska's able to run the ball some, or, or maybe the defensive line shows out and some guys step up, like I think you can absolutely still build on that. And um, you know, you, you go to Colorado the next week, which is essentially an expansion team when you're talking about 50 to 60 new people uh, players on that roster, and then you still have absolute. Uh, opportunity to build momentum with those two home games in the non-conference. So I still think, you know, you lose that game, you learn from it. There's still an absolute scenario where you go three and one and you've got a big game at home against Michigan after that. Evan, about 30 seconds. Do you think rules ability to connect with these guys can, can be better for Nebraska when it comes to their psyche win or lose? I do. You know, I was thinking the last couple of years about how much emphasis everybody put on that game in Illinois, then the game against Northwestern and Ireland. Like, there was just a lot of, I felt like, pressure uh, from players to perform well and to start strong. And I think that right now we've had a lot more uh, process-related conversations in camp about building toward Minnesota, but also beyond that to the season and to what's after that. So I think that's probably one thing that would keep you in a healthier mindset heading into a big game, uh, but you're still not making too much of it. Evan Bland with the World Herald at Evan Bland OWH. Evan will get caught up again soon. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys.
There he is. Good stuff from Evan Bland. Podcast for you. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play if you miss any part of the show. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Open phones here till about uh, 540, 489 1240. 489 Last uh, thought and moment we had with Evan Bland, we were talking a little bit about psyche and confidence and buildup and the ability to dare I say, springboard, because it's been a word used for a lot of openers for Nebraska over the years, right? You get this win, you get a springboard. You have this upset, you get a springboard. You take care of business here, you get a springboard. And Nebraska's never really gotten out of neutral. This was pretty good from Nick Saban, as he had a bit of an anecdote with the Big Red Machine, the other Big Red Machine of the 70s, uh, the Cincinnati Reds with Pete Rose and Concepcion and Johnny Bench and Morgan. Uh, great, great era for Cincinnati and Sparky. But he, yeah, Saban went to a, a, a Pete Rose quote. But listen to this, and, and we can maybe apply it to Nebraska this year. You know, I kind of like what Pete Rose said the other night. Sparky Anderson, he said, had a great, was a great manager. And he asked him one time, what's the key to handling players? He says, well, you got to know when to kick them in the ass. You got to know when to pat them on the ass. And you got to know when not to say anything. So we're trying to figure that out. But I think I've been kicking them in the ass a little bit more than I've been patting them on the ass. So we'll just keep on keeping on. Uh, I love Saban, right? And and that was good. And and I think this is very real because it's so important. We hear Coach McBride talk about it a lot. You can scream and yell at them and then give them a hug before they head off to the locker room. Don't don't stay mad. Let them know you care about them. And I think that's that is a monster emphasis from Coach Rule. And does it translate to the field? It, it needs to translate to the practice field from a development standpoint, but does it translate beyond the practice field to Thursday night in Minneapolis, beyond for the season? And that's one thing that Rule's done in his career is genuinely connect with kids, care about them, get them better, coach them hard, but also get them prepared. And how much patting versus kicking – has been done. And I think he's got a pretty good balance. I, I'd love to know. I, I'd love to see it. How much how much uh, butt kicking he's had to do. And I think his physical, Elijah and Connor, as his camp has been, there's been plenty of, of prep that way, where he's physically getting them ready to be at their best on the lines of scrimmage. Because you're not doing them any favors by not making it hard on a Monday through Thursday because, you know, Saturdays have tended to be murder against some of the more physical teams. Something Nebraska used to have the market on, being physical. Now, I wonder if we'll be able to hear through Matt Rule's comments on the media, if, it, if it's anything like military, which a lot of people have compared football and football camp to a military being part of a team. And you hear from military boot camp all the time. It's about 
tearing a guy down, down to the foundation, then building them back up how you would like to build them back up. And that's that's an analogy we've used with Matt Rule and the entire Husker football program as a whole, is how much teardown was going to be required before he could begin building back up. And that was kind of the question with, with what can be done in year one under Matt Rule. Well, I wonder the same thing with the guys in the team, as you say. I mean, Saban's way of saying it is, is kicking him in the ass and then patting him on the ass. I, I kind of like the military where you're building them down and then building them back up. At what point does Matt Rule begin building this team back up? Have we already seen that? Is that why Matt Rule gets in front of the media yesterday and says, well, I wasn't as disappointed with the offense as it may have sounded like following practice on Saturday. It was mostly procedural stuff. Those guys are doing well on the field. Is that no, now knowing you're just under two weeks out from, from Minnesota, is this your point now where you say, ah, it's time to start building them back up for game one because we've been doing too much kicking in the ass through the first two weeks of fall camp? I, you know, I think twofold. One, he's backing off of what could be perceived as criticism or confidence shaking. We don't know. I mean, what, what, not to get too, you know, let's lay on a, a leather couch and, and go shrink mode here. We don't know truly how fragile... 2023's group is we don't we don't know if there's PTSD from last season or two years ago or three years ago or whatever the case may be we do know this is a football team and program that's that's not delivered in tight moments and that can absolutely be a barrier and roadblock confidence wise because you go, here we go again versus, no, it's going to be different this time. They found every and any way to, to not get it done. Uh, and it's not been all on the, on the players. I mean, a lot of it's been coaching and prep that way. Now, there's a little bit off into the sunset with finding a way to hang on against Iowa last year. But you got out big early. You had to hang on for dear life. You had a couple of wins last year post-Frost. That were some some tight ball games, and you kind of distance yourself from Indiana and Rutgers to your credit. But overall, you're leading on guys, about ten seniors that are. We've heard the term "sick and tired" of being sick and tired. Are they able to, as they've been singled out as those temperature setters, guys? Are they able to to kind of take that cue from rule and 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 run it their way, and and really be the voice? aside from the coach, to finish, to get across that finish line. Uh, There's been a lot of emphasis on the offensive line. There's been a lot of drill work. It's been physical. And there's been nice things and complimentary things said about the offensive line in the name of confidence. But you got to be real, and we'll, we'll know how real they've become on Thursday, two weeks from tomorrow. Well, you talk about being real about confidence, too, and from what we've been able to see just like video wise and and media wise is the trust that the coaching staff has instilled in the players even when they screw up right I mean I feel like nowadays a a big teaching moment is in whatever it may be is is teaching people not to be afraid to make mistakes and it kind of feels like maybe that wasn't the total case in years past but it almost feels like it was like there's so much pressure riding on this. If you make one mistake, it's all over, right? And this is kind of like what we were talking about with the Illinois-Northwestern games in the past couple of years. Kind of that same feeling of, like, if you screw this up, it's over for you. But now I like you know some of the footage that we've seen about even if somebody misses a block or drops a pass, they throw them right back in there 
and they instill their trust in that player knowing that they will bounce back and, and do it right. And I think that's really important. And I think about <clears throat> when you try and get that balance of you know being hard on them and being a support system for them, I think this coaching staff from the outside looking in has been doing a really, really good job because – yeah, okay, maybe there's criticism from Matt Rule about how the offense performed this day, but he's still willing to back up what they did well, or he's still willing to be that outlet to say, like, hey, if there's a problem, come talk to me. Save your bets. Good situation, right? Or a good example. Comes and talks to him. Hurt's not in it, okay? The fact that you can go to your head coach and you can say that to him and he can be understanding, obviously it's not what he expected, but he can be understanding, he can be supportive, and he can still be a support system for you outside of football. I think that's extremely valuable and something that I think every college program should have. And obviously football, it's a hard-nosed sport, but if you can have that support system around you and those guys at the top that are trusting you to do the right thing, I think that's extremely important. I think the balance so far has been really good. The question is, is does it translate to wins and losses right. once the season begins? And have you had enough time of tearing down and building back up in order to make it to a point where this football team is actually able to go, go compete in the Big Ten? Or have you done more tearing down than building up this fall because it's still a long way to go and it's not going to translate to wins and losses. All that remains to be seen. Our friend Todd has been busy in the email box. Uh, just getting to some email emails now, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Uh, uh, back to the quarter zip conversation. Nothing sicker than listening to two divas who are never outside <laughs> talk about their bleep clothes to keep warm. So fragile. Duly noted. Thank you, Todd, for that. Uh, so conference games don't matter now. Well, well, Just non-cons. He's on to, to Minnesota. Elijah, Minnesota sets the tone for the entire season. Todd calling his shot. Nebraska losing uh, to Minnesota 35-17. Todd will revisit that. First, and I want to get back to the, the point. Receipts. Not going outside. I'll have you know Schmitty does at least one show a year from his patio. At, At least one. <laughs> that yeah, adding to the diva part. <laughs> He's one for three sixty five yeah. every single year. No, that's funny. All of you know, Schmidt's on his patio. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you for that. Last thought: this season's gonna end up like your haircut, a total bleep show. So, Todd, <laughs> keeping it consistent, I appreciate it. So, Craig chimes in uh, with some of our topics. Uh, so, oh my God, every game's a coin flip. Doesn't it kind of feel that way? Not not all of them, but but many of them are. I mean, and and we, dude, it's so, we can project and we'll make our predictions here soon enough, probably the week of Minnesota. But yeah, right now, what you believe this team can be, they should beat X, Y, and Z, at home especially. But they've not done it. I mean, I don't want to go as far as to say every game is a coin flip. Like, Michigan, I don't think is a coin flip game. No, but I there, think... there's a lot of games on the schedule, though, that are. Where you're no, they right definitely on, are. Right around the same. Well, welcome to well, the Big Ten West. We talked about this last week. How, many, how many games are you expecting that are going to be one score in the Big Ten West? If history is any example, damn near all of them. That's right. how the Big Ten West is played. Fine margins with physical football. And can you... Uh, can you win more than you lose, and can you survive them? Can you stay healthy? Who do we have with us? We go to the phone lines for Pete. Pete, we have about a minute. Pete, go for it. Hey, how you doing today? Good, man. Thanks. I guess in my opinion, uh, I think going into the season, I think the first game, I think we're going to have to run the quarterback quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have to be a big part of the running game. 
and as time goes, they may be able to, to use him a little bit less, use his legs a little less. But uh, I think starting the season, if they want to win and get off the right foot, I think they running as a quarterback is going to be pretty critical. It's, it's important. Nailed Pete, it. thanks for the phone call. And, yeah, you uh, nailed it. You get him going against Minnesota. That's a difference maker. That's an advantage you have uh, with Sims and his size and his athleticism. Uh, you stress that defense. And uh, hopefully your, your offensive line and your run game will be a second part of that one-two punch. And with the wide receiver position, I know I downplayed it a couple days ago, but what's your ability to make something out of nothing whenever the play breaks down and you don't have a receiver coming open? Well, what's I, Jeff Sims going to be able to do there? Well, he'll, he'll tuck and run, or he'll hang out, evade, and find uh, Billy Kemp possibly. Jock Doc's on the way. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's Hail Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, you had your fantasy draft yet? Not yet, buddy. How about you? Nope. It'll be that uh, that uh, weekend uh after Minnesota, we always do it uh, leading into the NFL season. And uh, I don't know that defenses go uh, ultra early in our league, but one defense that's on the minds of many is Baltimore. And, uh, man, they, they've just been taking it on the chin with that back seven. The latest quarterback, Marlon Humphrey, he is out, out indefinitely with foot surgery. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously they're they're not being very forthcoming here with you know, what kind of foot surgery he's having. Um, I didn't see really. A, it sounds like he's probably had some issues here for a while, but they weren't. Again, they weren't alluding very well to what that was. Um, but obviously, we now reached a point where he's really struggling to play. Um, it's become a serious enough issue now that they want to do something surgically with it. And it sounds more like some type of a cleanup type procedures, kind of what they were mentioning. Um, so as we're discussing him, it'll be more kind of very speculative at this point as to what the injury exactly is and what type of procedure they're going to do. But as we think about common, you know, kind of procedures that, uh, you know, allow people to play and then kind of reach what they're going to do essentially sounds like kind of a cleanup on it. We can kind of speculate on what those types of things are. You know, as we think about in the foot, you know, we've talked before about some of those really significant injuries, like a list frank injury where somebody has that midfoot sprain and they kind of knock out that ligament at the base of that, uh, we call the first mess of metatarsal, uh, coming off the great toe. This does not sound like that. That's more of a high-level traumatic-type injury. Uh, but if you're thinking more a cleanup, you could even transition over to, like, the ankle side of things. There's a couple of tendons to the outside of your ankle called perineal tendons. They run on the outside, that ball portion on the outside of your ankle. Those can be problematic. Patients can have some tearing in those, and that tearing can actually extend as you go down around that outside portion of your ankle called the lateral malleolus which is kind of the bump that's on the outside of your ankle. As those tendons kind of round that corner, they can have some tearing in those, and that would be a possibility for him in this scenario based on kind of what they're describing. You can also have issues where one of those tendons hooks into the back part of that we call fifth metatarsal. That's the bone on the outside of the foot that also could be problematic. And then just in the foot in general, there's a lot of areas in the foot that can have kind of little extra what we call ossicles, little extra bone spurs, um, and extra bony prominence. And it's quite common to have to go in and take those off. Those uh, little areas typically are where a tendon would attach. And so you think about a 
you know, super high-level athlete with all the repetitive things that they do, it's pretty easy to have, you know, kind of a chronic tendonitis turn into where you form some calcification in the area. And that may be the scenario we're dealing with here. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. So a couple of things here with Coach John Harbaugh's report. One, not a long-term injury, so that's good. That doesn't sound like there's going to be a plate and screws put in the foot. And when we talk about what led up to this lingering, that term was was used. Is it common or what type of procedure can somebody have done if they're dealing with, with chronic turf toe? Is there a surgery to help correct the turf toe? Yeah, the good question there. So the turf toe, it can be a deal where if they've had a chronic turf toe issue, you develop this basically kind of some either laxity or instability on the base of that first, what we call first metatarsal. So think about your just anatomically here where we're talking about that uh, great toe as you kind of feel down your great toe to kind of the pad underneath your great toe. Uh, we call that the first metatarsal joint. There's a really, really thick ligamentous structure. There's multiple ones of these kind of below that joint that acts as kind of the foot, the plate to it. Plantar plate is what we call it. And as you go into that mo- moment where that great toe really gets pushed back, kind of a hyper dorsiflexion moment is what we call it. Um, you stretch that plate, you can tear that plate. And as a result of that, it takes a pretty significant amount of force to do that. That force also gets transferred into the joint itself. And so that great toe joint that's there, you can damage the cartilage. Patients can develop some you know, arthritis there, some bone chips, cartilage chips in the area. So that also could be a possibility here too, is maybe a cleanup on uh, some of the bone spurs there. There's even a Another term out there called hallux rigidus, which is essentially where you'll form a bone spur kind of at that same joint but on the top side, and patients will have this kind of click or pop when they basically bring that toe up into what we call that dorsiflexion moment. And that also is a possibility we go into a cleanup on that and basically kind of knock off that bone spur there, and that's another possibility for him. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, I, there's plenty of possibilities here, obviously. You're the expert, but I think... That Schmidty and I, the first place our mind goes is turf toe because it's a one-month recovery and it kind of makes you ask the question, well, why wouldn't you get this done before training camp if it's a lingering injury? Whenever you think about turf toe, a lot of times that carries over between seasons where you, you take the six months off during the off season, you feel better, you come back for training camp, and oh, turf toe rears its ugly head again. I mean, what do you just make of the fact that, that they didn't get this done before the, the season started, before training camp started? You assume Marlon Humphrey thought he was good to go, but now a couple weeks into training camp, you sit back and go, you know what? I need to take the first month of the season off because I need to get this done. Either that or let me get the hell out of training camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Dion move. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's a, actually a really great point. You know, that's, that's, that is the question. Why, why are we here having this discussion now when if this is, in fact, is it kind of listening to what they're, how they're talking about this, it sounds like it might be somewhat of a chronic issue. Why not take care of this at the end of the season last year? So it's kind of interesting why, why that is the case. Um, you know, a bit hard to kind of speculate on, on, on that without knowing too many specifics. But, yeah, I, w- I would ask that question. Why are we here now thinking about it? Um, which then I would defer to what Schmidt just said. Is this a training camp exit strategy? Maybe perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Brandon is with us on Hill Varsity Radio. About 90 seconds here, Doctor. And how do you take measures to prevent this from happening again? Because you're already missing training camp. The last thing you want is to miss a couple of games because of this. 
Yeah, you know, without, and a great question, you know, without knowing the specifics of what it is, it's hard to, you know, you know, talk extensively about preventative stuff. But when you have a, a scenario, you know, at that level, you really do have a pretty good feel for how that is at the end of the season. Um, and so it, in some ways it kind of boils down to, you know, what kind of medical opinion do you receive? So you're, you get to you have this issue going on at the end of the season or sometime during the off season. There's so many of these, you know, medical providers, high-level sports medicine people involved with these teams that, you know, this person, this, he would have had to have seen somebody along the way. And so this may have been, you know, a medical advice issue where, hey, look, 90, maybe they gave him the, you know, 90 or 95% of these get, get better on their own. And maybe that's kind of the assumption he was under. And then here we are, we're back here, and it just can push through it. And that's probably the scenario that probably played out here. Um, is it might have been one of those deals where most patients get better than unfortunately just didn't get there. And now here we are at the, you know, small percentage number of patients that actually need surgical, surgical treatment for something that routinely heals, you know, conservatively. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. And we're talking Marlon Humphrey. He's in that Ed Reed, Ray Lewis category of a guy that's had multiple fumble recoveries and, interceptions in his career double digits three-time pro bowler and baltimore will be without him dr brandon thanks for a few minutes today all right thanks fellas you guys take care good stuff from dr brandon uh, nebraska orthopedic center quick reminder buckle up seatbelts save lives and prevent injuries only if properly worn a message from the nebraska department of highway safety office buckle up we'll uh, wind down a wednesday and now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Give us a find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and Herbal Essence in at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Steven chimes in on Twitter, guessing former Husker Austin Allen would like Matt Rule's offense. Guessing yes. I'm guessing Matt Rule would like having Austin Allen here <laughs> to uh, to throw the, the jump ball to. Man, but, why would you say something so bold? You think, well, that, you think that Matt Rule would want a six-foot-ten tight end to throw the ball to? Or, wow. or, or as, you know, in good point from Steven. Yeah, it'd be nice to have another guy that blocks the sun to throw the football to, but a lot of buzz this week with Thomas Fedoni. Good comments from him yesterday. He will no doubt be an, an option for Nebraska. We just got to see how guys heal up between now and Minnesota week. Uh, presumably, you're going to get into to Minnesota prep next week after that final scrimmage or that next scrimmage, not final, but that next scrimmage Saturday for Nebraska. And... Uh, Start gearing up, figuring out who's available, Elijah, who's not, and at what point can can guys that have been missing time? Because there's a few guys uh, when they get back. The good news is 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 you got Neary back on on the interior. You got Piper. You've got Scott, and you've got two guys that have played a lot of tackle mm-hmm. uh, for the offensive line. So that's good. Uh, yeah, uh, Brennan is singing the praises of Thomas Fedoni. Uh, he'll be nice. You got Borkature that's big time. And uh, don't forget, uh, you got Bonner as that H-back option as well. So maybe a little early 
2018's Stanford tribute <laughs> from what Harbaugh did with, with Ertz and company in those three tight ends. When in doubt, just get in a rugby pile, get in a scrum, and just start pushing forward. And you'll see a lot of that. It'll be the quickest game in the history of football, possibly <laughs> Thursday night in Minneapolis. Well, it's good because we have to, you know, wake up for work on Friday following a post-game show. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to a, a quick game. And hey, if Nebraska wins the ball control battle, I think Oscar fans will be a lot more happy. That's that's a, a badge of honor to do against Minnesota if you're able to go win the ball control battle. I think that's why we've been sitting here today throughout this show talking about the fact that there, there's if you lose that game against Minnesota how much are you really losing in the grand scheme of the season? It's because of these things we've laid out. Minnesota has a very established How do you lose plan. it? How but, do you look and lose yeah, it? Is it 2019 where mm-hmm. you get stomped like you're an empty beer can? or Is it last year? Yeah. I mean, great start, not so great finish. No, and it was with a backup. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, in a similar you know, there's the there's the COVID year where <laughs> yeah. the guys are playing huh. both ways. The plane's half empty. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, a lot of room. I wonder how much has been stuck in PJ Flexcroft from that that play Scott Frost first year against Minnesota, where they get the win and you're up comfortably, you're running the clock out, and then you throw a fly route to to Stanley Morgan on the play action. I wonder if that's stuck in PJ Flexcroft. <laughs> I wonder if that's why Minnesota always seems to give Nebraska their best shot. Well, and don't forget the uh, slogan earring that was mentioned, mm. uttered oh, boy, yeah. last year, and that was commented on but hey two coaches that uh, respect each other that are grinders and we'll get to it can't wait to see everybody at the graduate that uh, wednesday and in thursday and and friday when we're up there for minnesota be sure to check out the podcast spotify itunes google play download the segments you want or the entire show and yes the hail varsity youtube channel back at four tomorrow thanks a huda media production